Hi, I'm Jayant Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's analysis podcast. Thanks for joining us. We turn our attention to matters of economy and business in this episode and specifically we will be discussing the telecom sector. The economy as a whole is in a bit of a downward spiral owing to the COVID-19 pandemic. But if you've been following the news over the past few months, you will have seen that the telecom sector has seen a lot of developments, specifically with a lot of investments coming in from global tech giants like Facebook and Google and a whole bunch of other companies as well. At the center of all of it is Reliance Jio, and in this podcast today we'll discuss those moves in detail as well as the recent news that Jio is working on developing its own 5G network solution the first by an indian entity now this is a development that has huge geopolitical implications in the current context and so we'll discuss that in some detail simultaneously we'll also use this opportunity to take an overall look at the health of the telecom sector which continues to be one of the most promising engines for economic growth in india bleak as things are around it My guest today is Thomas K Thomas. He's the Mumbai bureau chief of Hindu Business Line, who's also led the paper's coverage of telecom and IT for several years. Thomas K Thomas, welcome to the Hindus in Focus podcast. It's your first time uh, that you're joining us for a conversation, so thank you so much for making time for us today. Oh, it's a pleasure and uh, glad to be here. So, um right, so uh, you know, we're talking about the telecom sector today and um, it's interesting that you know over the past uh, you know going back 6 8 months we've thought of this as being a sector that's under major stress and that has had a lot to do with the uh, troubles faced by Vodafone and Airtel with regard to their um, AGR payments adjusted right. growth revenue payments so you know we think we the news just sometime back was that these companies were even you know Vodafone in particular was facing the possible a possible shutdown of its operations that we might be left with only one player that's Jio but in the last 6 months um there have been some you know fairly big ticket deals in telecom uh, that's uh, obviously headlined by jio that's right which we will talk about um but also airtel has raised uh, 21500 crore bsnl has received a uh, 70000 crore you know in the form of a relief package from the government uh, vodafone plc recently gave rupees 1530 crore to its indian joint venture So, what does this mean for the sector? Does it mean that the financial stress is over and that um, investors are ready to sort of place their bets again? Yeah, right. Uh, Jayant, you 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 are spot on with your observation. Uh, but just to set the context, uh, you know, so as you said that you know India's telecom sector has been grappling with uh, huge debts and also mm. massive regulatory headwinds for the past few years. uh and in the last 6 months it has received investments of uh, over 2.3 lakh crore and all the four operators uh, remaining in the space have received some form of funding uh which sort of indicates that investors continue to bet on the once poster boy of economic reforms uh the biggest base uh, investment as you rightly pointed out uh you know is in the Reliance Jio and that was uh, that came from Mark Zuckerberg back Facebook which took 9.9% stake in jio platforms for about 43000 crore uh overall jio has received investments of around 1.5 lakh crore from 14 different investors including google qualcomm intel so all of this will obviously help mukesh ambani to bring down the debt in his telecom venture 
and they plan to uh, you know they've already announced that they have become net zero debt by march 2021 airtel uh, uh, in january they it raised about 21500 crore and this was through a mix of uh, you know qualified institutional placement and foreign currency convertible bonds uh, airtel at that time had termed this as the largest ever dual transit equity and fcc offering in the asia pacific region so in this about 15 global investors participated including warburg pinkers fidelity blackrock uh, you know fresh funding for airtel would take care of its immediate liabilities including payouts related to the agr issue and also refinance some of its existing loans um, so airtel has also recently bought 4g equipment worth about a billion dollars from nokia uh, showing its intent to go aggressive on network rollout uh the third player in this whole ecosystem is bsnl which has received about 70000 crore as a form of a relief package uh bsnl has also shared about 90000 employees through a vrs scheme and they are embarked on a 9000 crore network expansion plan but for bsnl there are still some structural and administrative issues facing the public sector company because you know if you look at the recent uh, plans to roll out 4g network uh, this has been scuttled by the government uh as they have asked them to redo the whole tendering uh you know saying that you know local companies should be brought in and chinese should be kept out so we have to see how that pans out but this additional funding of 70000 crore sort of gives it a sliver of hope to survive the fourth player is vodafone idea uh they have yet to receive any significant funding yes they've got about 1530 crore but in the overall scheme of things it's really nothing and you know so this puts vodafone idea as in a very precarious position because uh, you know it really requires about at least 50000 crore immediately to start or stay afloat so what does all of this means for the sector is it out of the woods i don't think so uh, you know we have already have had about 10 telecom companies which have shut operations in the last few years so there's a debt overhang of about 4 5 lakh crores agr dues of 1.3 lakh crores uh you know so the future of bsnl vodafone is still uncertain spectrum pricing continues to be really high so that's going to be another issue the crux of the whole thing is that the growth in data consumption that we are seeing have to really translate into higher revenues for the operators at some point uh, so investors can bring in money but until and unless operators start making their own cash uh, it's not going to help so just to give you an idea currently operators make about you know 150 to 160 rupees a month from each user this has right. to go up to about 250 rupees a month that's uh, you know for, for a player like vodafone to uh, start thinking about surviving yeah but you know the key takeaway would be that yes this investment sort of uh, drives on the point that india's telecom market still holds a lot of promise uh, the fact is more than 50% of the market is still not connected by data uh, so those who do not have access to um and those who are ac- have access to internet services are consuming data like never before right so you know so all of this combines into uh, into a nice futuristic market opportunity out there if operators are able to tide over the current financial stress with little bit help from the government in terms of lower pricing on spectrum lower uh, you know revenue share uh, you know so all of that could help in the in the, in, in the long term but of course you know reliance is clearly you know with all the funding and you know the, the way it has positioned itself is clearly uh, positioned itself to leverage this big opportunity that that lies ahead right i think that really sets out the overall context of the sector really well 
And uh, one thing to add here is that uh, Prime Minister Modi was making some comments to the in- Indo-US Business Council right. yesterday, I think it was. And he did point out, one of the things he did point out was the fact that the telecom sector is booming. For the first time, uh, he pointed out that um, the number of rural internet users is uh, has increased past the number of urban internet users. And that has much to do, of course, with uh, telecom, the telecom sector expanding into these areas. Right. So... Um, so right, let's let's just move on to Geo. As you said, the the company that seems to be in pole position to kind of uh, leverage this uh, this growing market. Right now, the big the big ticket announcement made by Geo recently is that they are building their own five G network solution, and right. this will be a first by an Indian entity. That's so right. let's just get into that a little bit in detail. Sure. How how big of a game changer is this? Yeah, so this could be a big game changer. You know, uh, just to give you an idea of what Mukesh Ambani is doing. Uh, you know, he's plans to build his homegrown 5G network, uh, basically using open source telecom platform called OpenRAN. So this network platform, you know, it's similar to how open source software became a big game changer in the 1990s. Uh, essentially, you know, it, 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 they're trying to build telecom radio and base station using non-proprietary technology. Uh, so this will help them bring down costs drastically compared to buying, say, proprietary gear from the likes of Nokia and Ericsson currently. Just to give you an idea, you know, uh, about 70% of the cost to build a telecom network currently comes from buying, you know, radio access network equipment, including like base stations, radio antenna, receivers, uh, you know, so until now, this was based on proprietary software and hardware supplied by, you know, end-to-end solution providers like Nokia, Ericsson, and of course, the Chinese player Huawei. So Open RAN is, is, is an attempt to break out of all of this and, you know, uh, so, Geo wants to make core network equipment uh, become vendor neutral and it will disaggregate hardware and software functions built on general purpose processors. So, this avoids, you know, vendor lock-in and minimizes payment of royalty. Uh, globally too, you know, Japan's Rakuten and Vodafone so itself is trying out this in, in its home market in UK. Uh, in, in India, Geo has been quietly working on this open source platform for at least two years now. Uh, they've had multiple teams on this project for at least two years. And, you know, in 2018, it, it acquired a Bangalore-based company called Ratsis. Uh, and that is uh, primarily target of that was to build this uh, platform. Uh, so if this comes true, uh, Geo need not depend on, on, on these handful of vendors and can actually roll out 5G uh, networks at a fraction of the cost. Uh, you know, but there are, there are hurdles. There could be challenges because, you know, open source network is not easy to build. Uh, you know, people are saying it will take at least two to three years for build a network like this and to make it a reality. But Geo has the financial power and we know that, you know, it has done things which many people thought were improbable. So maybe it can pull out a rabbit on this one uh, and, 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 and actually roll out uh, something based on this open brand maybe next year by when hopefully India will also start auctioning, uh, you know, 5G spectrum. Uh, so what does this mean, uh, you know, at the end of the day is, multiple things one you know it india's import bill on telecom network has been very high we import close to about 20 billion dollars worth of equipment every year so if geo is successful in doing this you know so what you're essentially saying is that as we move into more into 4g and as we move into more into uh into 5g we could see more indian players coming into making telecom network equipment locally you know so our import bills uh you know, could come down drastically. The other big impact could be on national security, you know, because, uh, you know, we've heard about there have been allegations like 
uh, who are always uh, planting bugs in imported equipment. And basically, this is allowing them to snoop into networks. Uh, so while there have been no concrete proofs, we know that US, UK have even banned companies like Huawei from supplying equipment. So if we are able to do this here, you know, with 5G, uh, we can cut down on all, a lot of these concerns and worry and protect our national security. So yes, uh, you know, if Geo is successful with this 5G solution, this could be a big change on multiple levels. Right. So just to zoom out a little bit there for the benefit of our listeners, right. you mentioned Huawei, of course, yes. um, who and up to this point, you know, kind of became synonymous with, uh, in a way, with the setting up of 5G. I mean, uh, seemed to be like the biggest player right. around. Um, I just wanted to get in, uh, get a sort of context in which, um, you know, we've had, we, of course, we've had our recent troubles with China, yes. following which all these discussions, you know, take on a kind of geopolitical strategic affairs context, right. even though they are business matters, yes. in a sense. Um, what, what was Huawei's position thus far in terms of uh, setting up 5G in India and how big of a global player are they in, you know, in the 5G space? Yeah, so Huawei is huge and, uh, you know, to, just to put it in context, Huawei came into the scene much later than, say, Ericsson and Nokia. I mean, Ericsson and Nokia have been there for many decades now. You know, earlier there was an entity called Alcatel, then there was Lucent. So a lot of these companies have folded up and, you know, now you have Nokia, Ericsson and Huawei, basically a three ecosystem vendor that is in the space. So Huawei has made huge, huge strides into, you know, huge investments into R&D. Uh, they've been, uh, you know, uh, they've been way ahead in 4G and 5G. Even in India, they've applied for trials to do trials on 5G. So, you know, uh, so clearly, you know, if, if, if Huawei goes out of the system, out of the game, then, you know, you are basically taking out a big, large supplier of equipment out of the game. So what does this mean? So one thing is that, you know, for operators, Huawei was a big leverage because whenever Huawei came onto the table, they would come with, you know, a host of bankers also, not just technology. Say so they would say, if you buy equipment from me, I would also bring uh, certain Chinese banks with me who can, you know, uh, provide you soft loans. Uh, so for an operator, if I'm an operator like Airtel or Vodafone, this gave me a lot of leverage when I would negotiate on these, uh, you know, telecom equipment with, say, Ericsson or Nokia. The other big thing is that if you look at uh, if existing network uh, like BSNL or Vodafone, a significant part of their network is already on Chinese uh, equipment. BSNL, because it goes with cheapest, uh, you know, because they have a tendering process, uh, they go with the vendor which gives them the cheapest. So most of the equipment on BSNL is already Huawei, right? So, so these are the things that India will have to look at, you know, going forward. On, on developing their strategy on how to deal with this, uh, with, with Huawei and ZTE is another player. ZTE is a Chinese player, but they're not as big as Huawei. Banning applications well, was easy because out of the 59, which was banned, you know, most of them were hardly used other than maybe TikTok and a few others. So right. banning that was easy. Taking a call on Huawei would be more uh, challenging, uh, you know, on multiple reasons. So we'll have to see how that, how that pans out going forward. It's not going to be an easy call for India to take. But yes, if India is able to come up with these homegrown solutions like Jio is doing on 5G, we are also hearing, you know, players like Tech Mahindra and, you know, uh, a whole host of uh, Indian vendors like Tejas Networks, you know, trying to build 4G solutions. So they are all now gearing up for 
BSNL tender. So let's see how that tendering goes. Because if BSNL is told not to buy from China and is told to reserve a portion of its equipment for Indian vendors, and if Techmendra and others are able to, you know, uh, come on board and with good quality solution, maybe we'll have a solution there. So even if Huawei is taken out of the game, by then we will have others in uh, to plug that. Right. So the other aspect of um, the, yes, as you mentioned, we did ban fifty nine Chinese apps. Um, other countries like the UK and US have also, you know, started banning Chinese telecom equipment makers like Huawei. Right. And um, there is, you know, when this call for similar action in India also has to take in the fact that uh, we have this huge Chinese smartphone market. Right. Uh, as as people have pointed out, you know, when a lot of TV channels went rather loudly with the, you know, ban China um, rhetoric. Right. Um, there were at the same time ads playing from, you know, Xiaomi smartphones, etc. you know, on the side. Right. Um, so that is a kind of interesting contrast. Yes. Um, how, I mean, how, where are we with this? Because, you know, cheap Chinese smartphones are also sort of central, I think, to this right. idea of everybody getting access to the internet. So yes. um, where are we in terms of how reliant we are on the Chinese smartphone market? Yeah, so uh, Jen, uh, Chinese smartphone, you know, if you look at the overall market share of Chinese smartphone players, including, and if you look at the, uh, across this, uh, you know, market, Chinese brands clearly have taken this market, you know, almost 60% of the market is controlled by Chinese brands, Xiaomi, then, uh, you know, OnePlus, Vivo, yeah. Oppo, you know, so they are there. I mean, at one point in time, we thought, you know, some of these Indian brands like Micromax and Lava, you know, they were showing a lot of promise about, say, seven, eight years back. But, mm. you know, they missed a trick or two on the 4G side. So, you know, they they didn't see that technology wave coming in and sort of uh, kept on betting on 3G. Uh, so by the time 4G came in quickly, they lost the market there. So the the, the phone market is, is, is very dynamic. If you miss a trick and if you are not there, you will lose out completely. So in your smartphone, guys, missed a trick there. They lost out of the Chinese. Currently, it's basically the Chinese brands and Samsung who's, you know, who's uh, sort of controlling the market. Indian brands are very there, there in the very low low part of the segment. Uh, you know, but if you are talking about, you know, things like cybersecurity, security of the gadgets, you know, that's a concern. That's a going concern. You know, uh, if apps can do it, if networks can do it, phones can also do it. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a worry, uh, you know, across the digital space. I mean, why Chinese even there's a worry about Facebook, there's a worry about how Google uses its data. So, you know, the moment you're talking about various elements in the data from network to, to, to phones to, you know, software, the issue of how much of data privacy and how much of data consumption of users are being compromised is a question mark. And, you know, a lot of what is happening in China is also uh, political positioning because, you know, of our border issue. So, you know, how do we flex muscle? Uh, and show that you know we can also do something to hit back so right so we so these are the ways so if i remember this talk about banning huawei and zt have been uh, there for at least 15 years i mean 2003 2004 dot came very close to banning them uh, but they did it you know they, so instead of that they said they brought in a policy which made it mandatory for telecom operators to do security checks or certi security certification every time they imported telecom equipment Right, so this has been going on. Uh, the, the the fire is lit every time there is a crisis, uh, and so that's what we are seeing right now. More of that. Whether you know India actually bans Huawei, ZTE, bans some of these phone makers, I'm not too sure if if that will really happen. Right. 
So, of course, this uh, gives us a chance to circle back to Geo, um, right. who announced also recently in their recent um, AGM that's very closely watched that um, they announced uh, that they're going to get into making affordable smartphones with Google. And uh, another point to bring up here is that uh, we did we did speak of the investments coming into the telecom sector right. over the past few months. Right. And um, it's quite notable that both Google and Facebook um, who you know largely chase the same kind of digital advertising revenue, um, and, and also Qualcomm and Intel, also com- uh, competitors there, right. have for the first time invested in the same entity, and that's Geo. So, right. you know, why is this? I mean, of course they see potential, um, but let's just kind of elaborate on that. Yeah. So let me just take the smartphone uh, collaboration with Geo first, between Geo and Google first. So I think yeah. you know, uh, you know, this partnership will open up. Uh, entirely new market segment you know so if you remember if you go back about three to four years back geo had launched a 4g feature phone uh, that had become a huge success uh, as it allowed to uh, you know capture a lot of consumers who were you know uh, unable to access 4g services uh, because they didn't have a smartphone uh, until then you needed a smartphone to access 4g services so they came in with this feature phone which allowed users to do 4g on it uh, they acquired quickly ramped up and, you know, they acquired almost 36% market share in the feature phone segment, uh, you know, all through 2018, 19, they were dominating that space. Uh, but the problem there, you know, with feature phones, you can do only so much. If you want to actually experience full 4G services, you need a f- smartphone. Uh, you know, if you want to do things like streaming videos, if you want to do video calls, you need a smartphone experience. And the problem is in India, about 60% of the mobile user base are continuing to use 2G uh, networks. And the biggest hurdle coming in the way for them to migrate from 2G to 4G is the because they find 4G smartphone unaffordable. You know, they, they, they don't have that 4,000, 5,000 rupees to spend to buy a 4G smartphone uh, to experience a full-fledged 4G services. The, currently, there are no Chinese or Indian phone makers who are catering to that segment. So this is the target. This is the market segment that, you know, Geo and Google are, are thinking about. And, and, and both know, you know, if you want to get into that 60% uh, of the market out there, which is still on 2G, they need to bring down the cost of owning a smartphone. So th- that's the problem that they're addressing. And, you know, Google has tried to do something like that earlier with uh, what they call as Android One. They had limited success because of huge issues on distribution channel. Uh, but I think you know coming together of Geo uh, and Google uh, should be able to we should be able to see a, a, an affordable smartphone market uh, uh, soon. Uh, coming to your other part where you are talking about you know uh, you know about Facebook and you know uh, Google and Intel and Qualcomm you know traditionally we know them to be rivals and you know they've never ever invested uh, in a single entity. So this is the first time they're actually. Uh, you know, Google and Facebook are investing uh, in a single entity. Uh, they have all come together on Geo platform. So this is this is really interesting because you know obviously they see this huge market potential which we talked about earlier. Uh, and 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 you know uh, both Facebook, Google have have been seeing India as a big market, and they've been trying on their own to reach the to reach out to the next billion people in the country. You know, right. market share and. And, you know, India's market, internet market is sort of, uh, you know, almost set to explode big time, you know. So we've got 500 million users already who are consuming 4GB uh, data 
on an average every month. So this is projected to grow to about 11 GB per month in the next four years. Right. Uh, and, and, and so India is clearly one of the biggest markets for any global digital company. And uh, these big tech companies see Geo at the center of it. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Google currently has about about 94% market share as far as Android mobile operating system is concerned. Uh, Google Pay has clocked about 300 million transactions in India, uh, you know, as on as of June 2019. Uh, on, on, the, on the other hand, India constitutes Facebook's largest market with more than 270 million total users and 400 right. million monthly average users on WhatsApp. So, and, and this is, you have to give it to Ambani where he's built partnerships in a way that each investor brings something unique to the Geo ecosystem. For example, as we talked about, the Google partnerships is, is aimed at building affordable devices. They will probably tap into developing an ecosystem on Android and, and, and the largest software play. Whereas with Facebook, on, it's more about you know, connecting with small businesses, building consumer community on social media, and probably using WhatsApp to reach you know, small businesses. So I, I think you know, uh, each of these uh, pieces is part of a larger puzzle which Geo is putting together. Uh, and, and, and Geo clearly wants to provide Indian consumers access to everything from groceries to clothes to banking to home automation to healthcare to education. So they want to put together a platform, you know, do what big tech companies like Google and Facebook have been doing elsewhere. Right. So I think a good place to end is, uh, you know, circling back to a point that Pete made sort of very initially in this conversation. Right. But I think it's worth reiterating. Because, you know, data usage is at the center of all of this. Yes. And as you mentioned, just in your last answer, these are quite incredible figures. We have 500 million users. Uh, yes. Each of them are using about 4 GB a month. Yes. Uh, and that's projected to only go up. So this is an incredible amount of data usage. Yes. Um, so, but, you know, data usage is skyrocketing. But does this, I mean, how, how does this actually translate to better revenues for telecom companies? Because... You know, one of the central things that, that was part of this, this whole AGR, uh, well, not, not it wasn't directly related, but one mm -hmm. of the things was that we charge the cheapest rates for data and that right. wasn't really leading to a sustainable business model for these companies. So, That's right. you know, how do you see this playing out? Yeah, so um, the way I see it is that, you know, uh, as I said, you know, so India had about 10, 12 player operators at that sub, sub point in time. Most of them have folded up, you know, so the, so the level of competition has come down drastically right um, when and geo when it came in uh, in 2016 it had to gain market share so it went free it's it went you know with really cheap data rates it has achieved what it had to achieve in terms of capturing that market share right it's it's already on top of the uh, pie both in terms of number of subscribers num and in terms of revenue so geo has achieved what it has to achieve let's look at airtel vodafone and bsnl None of these companies have the bandwidth anymore to drop tariff. Geo has achieved what it has to achieve. So the, what I see is that I don't think from here on there is going to be any reduction in tariffs. Right. What we are going to see from here on is going to be increase in tariff, if at all. As I said, you know, if operators other than Geo need to survive, they need to hit an average revenue per use of about 250 rupees a month. Right. So how do you get there? That can only happen if you start increasing tariffs. So. For consumers, I think, uh, you know, I think we'll have to start paying a little bit more than what we are used to. But at the same time, I think uh, it's, it's worthwhile because, you know, at the end of the day, if you, if you, if as a cons consumer, I am demanding top quality of service, I want a network 
which doesn't drop call, uh, drop my calls. I want uh, under, uninterrupted data services, right? I need to enable or strengthen my operator to be able to invest into all of these networks, right? So uh, we talked about all these opportunities, but that opportunity also means that operators need the money to invest. Where is that coming from, right? So this has to, right. so there has to be the this will the tariffs will have to go up. And as I said earlier, there has to be some help from the government in terms of reduction in spectrum pricing, uh, lower of license fee. Uh, you know, so just to put it in context, thirty percent of operators' revenues today are going in some form of levy to the government. Right? I don't. I see this is as huge when you are auctioning spectrum when you are collecting money upfront for that spectrum. There is no reason for you to collect an annual revenue share from the operator. Right. So all of this needs to be thought about. You know, eight percent revenue share on license fee is too much. Bring it down to one percent. So all of this will bring, uh, I think, will come together as we see. We are already seeing some talk about you know spectrum pricing being rationalized. Uh, DOT has already put out a com- uh, set up a committee to look at some of these uh, cost structures. Tariffs will uh, go up a little bit. So I think all of this uh, means that if operators are able to ride out this six months to a year. I think it's 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 they they will be on a very good turf going. I also want to just you know uh, yeah. highlight one more point, which is sure, I think sure, very sure, critical sure. in this whole thing, and this is about data privacy and you know uh, we talk about right. data usage and you know all of that. But at the center of it, from the consumer point of view, is data privacy and data protection, and this is another thing which which policymakers need to address quickly because we are seeing huge consumption, we are seeing huge platforms coming in. We are seeing Geo, Facebook, you know, Google coming together like never before. But we still don't know things like who owns data, what happens to my data, who uses it for what. You know, we only get to know of these things once we know of a breach. Like Facebook, Facebook reported of data breach. WhatsApp reported that data breach. When they report, we get to know. Otherwise, we don't know, right? So right. I think this is this is this is going to be huge. And you know, I think we need to address this very quickly. Uh, as speed of the as part of the larger that was an excellent roundup of the sector and what lies ahead uh, thomas thank you so much for joining us today and for giving us your expertise and your perspective thank you yeah thanks a lot yeah.